All right, here we are. <laughs> hey, Miguel, how you doing, man? Let's start calling you old faithful. You're here on it. You're here every every week. Glad to have you, man. So, as you guys can see, I put up a green screen over here. I got my my background kind of blurred out, but I have another camera over here. So I hope it's not too distracting, uh, but it's kind of necessary. If you ever, if you want to shoot any kind of quality videos, it's really tough. To, these, uh, some of these software driven backgrounds, they just, they just don't work very well. And I've got a really, really plain looking room here. So uh, I have to dress it up a little bit for, uh, for some of the other videos that I shoot. Okie doke. Well, we might as well get this started. Can everybody hear me okay? If you can hear me okay, give me a uh, give me a thumbs up or a, a hell yeah or whatever you want to do there in the chat. Let's see. All right. Ba -ba -ba -ba. All right. Thanks, Miguel. Okie doke. All right. Let's go ahead and kick it off. Good morning, everyone. I think, um, let's see, we got Miguel, you are coming in from YouTube. Um, looks like we've got someone else on here. I'm not sure where you're coming from. Uh, doesn't really matter, but as I always uh, like to start these things out, I'd like to drive everybody to YouTube if possible. Uh, it really, really helps us out when we get those views. But before we get started, um, I'm going to start labeling this LSS. You know, you guys like, subscribe, and smash. So uh, if you're over there on the YouTube channel or if after this you want to head over there, uh, give us the thumbs up, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button, and then uh, smash the bell to turn on notifications. We'd really, really appreciate it. Okay, so I am, uh, surprisingly, I'm a little prepared this morning. Uh, I do have a topic that I want to talk about today. Because I think it's, uh, I really think it's going to be something that is, um, we're going to see an influx of these here, I don't know, next year, year and a half, something like that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about short sales today. Uh, we stopped doing short sales, I don't know, about four or five years ago. And uh, just be, it's just simply because the, the opportunities out there to pick up properties uh, at, you know, to pick up properties, particularly creatively, uh, those opportunities were just, they just presented themselves far more than short sales. Short sales can take a really long time to, uh, to get through the process. <clears throat> and at the time we were doing short sales, a lot of the lenders, you know, we were coming off of that mortgage meltdown. And so a lot of the lenders, um, they were using this system called Equator. And it was just, uh, you know, there was such an influx of short sales during the whole mortgage meltdown, the mortgage crisis, that uh, they needed a system in place to be able to track and, uh, and uh, submit all the paperwork and all that good stuff. They needed a system. So they, they started using this system called Equator. And uh, Equator was, I mean, it was nice to have a, a, a centralized system like that, but it was just uh, when you, when you kind of lose, when, when the lenders kind of lose focus that they're dealing with people and they're dealing with just this, the system, and it's understandable because they had such a massive amount of people uh, of homeowners that were that were doing short sales. Uh, but when you lose that connection, it's uh, it, things can become lost. And I mean, I would be submitting paperwork three and four times the same 
the same stuff that they they would ask for the same thing three and four and five times. It was just it was ridiculous. So we stopped doing them. There was just a, a headache. There was a lot of money to be made in it, uh, but we think we found a better way. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So first of all, uh, if anybody has any questions, you guys know the deal. Uh, just throw it in the chat there. Uh, I'm going to try and um, leave this little chat overlay that you see over here on the screen. I want to try and leave that live today. Uh, we had a uh, pretty comical, but we had a, uh, I don't know, this has been a few weeks now, but we had this uh, uh, this troll that was out there. It was that was really kind of funny, but uh, but I don't want to clog up this feed with with uh, with trolls. So, uh, but I will monitor this from time to time. I do have a uh, I do have some notes that I've taken, just uh, just uh, talking points that uh, I want to make sure that I cover on this one. And so let's go ahead and jump into it. All right, short sales. So here's what we're gonna we're gonna discuss today. We're gonna talk about what a short sale actually is. Most of you probably already know what that means. Uh, but I want to do, some, you know, <clears throat> want to have some clarification out there. Talk about when it's appropriate to do a short sale, or when it's appropriate for a homeowner or a, a seller to do a short sale, and then also what you can do to help homeowners who are thinking about doing a short sale. Uh, it's a massive, massive opportunity, and I've built a career off of this exact model. I mean, it's uh, it's. It's really, uh, it's really helped us out. I mean, as far as, as far as uh, helping homeowners out, you know, it's really, it's really um, been beneficial to us as well. So, first of all, what is a short sale? Uh, everyone knows what it means to short sale. Uh, I'm sorry, sell a stock short, right? Um, it's basically when an investor speculates on the decline of a stock. They, um, what they do is they, they, they borrow a security. And then they sell it, hoping that the price of that stock goes down so that they can then purchase it at a lower price and they make the difference. Right. That is not the same thing as a short sale in real estate. However, a short sale in real estate is really quite simple. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts, but it is a simple, uh, a simple top or a simple um, subject to understand. It is when a homeowner offers to pay off their mortgage property for less than what is owed against it. That's all it is. Um, there almost always has to be some kind of distress involved. Some it, it's, it's always loss of income, right? So that's whether that's due to job loss or that's due to um, health issues or disability. The the overarching the overarching theme is loss of income, and so that that creates this this, this inability to uh, to pay their mortgage. All right. So and it's, it's usually all very sudden. Um, in a lot of cases, it's, uh, you know, somebody, I don't know, maybe somebody has an accident or, you know, we have layoffs or something. It's all of a sudden it's within a two, three month uh, time span. All of a sudden they can't pay their mortgages, you know, and it's very common. Uh, it's very common in down markets. So uh, during the mortgage crisis in 2008 through 2010 ish, um, homeowners were doing what they called a strategic, a strategic short sale. They would run their numbers. They would calculate whether or not it made sense to hold on to a particular property. And um, really, a lot of owner occupants did this as well. It wasn't just investors, um, but it really, really got out of hand. So, so these days, lenders 
rarely allow this. They rarely allow these. Uh, in fact, I haven't heard of I haven't heard of a strategic uh, short sale in years, years and years. Uh, but it, you know, it was. I think it was a, more of a matter of people overwhelming the system, and people. It's not. It's not something that. Let me take this back. They never really allowed it. It was just that fact that the system was so overwhelmed during the during the meltdown that um, people were just opting to do these quote strategic short sales. So um, during you know in a short sale, you're gonna a a homeowner maybe not you, <laughs> a homeowner is gonna have to provide evidence of distress. So this would be in the form of something like um, you know. The lenders will ask for um, for previous year's tax returns. They'll ask for bank statements, current bank statements. Um, we've even seen letters from doctors, from employers, all kinds of stuff that that are um, that homeowners are having to provide to lenders as evidence, as proof that they're in a distressed situation. And like I say, short sales are far less common these days. Um, We've had a ever since, you know, obviously since 2008, 2010, we've had a relatively decent economy compared to that whole era. You know, I mean, so um, but this is why it's really important, by the way, to um, to really follow the jobless rate. It's probably the most important metric that we have out there as far as um, as far as being able to tell which which direction the economy is headed. Um but we watch the jobless rate. We watch it both nationally and we try and watch it locally because uh, we can have pockets in the, you know, pockets across the country that, you know, are doing much better than other places. Obviously, I mean, it just makes sense. So, uh, uh, so it's really important to watch both nationally and locally what the jobless, jobless rates look like and are they declining or are they, uh, are they increasing, you know, what, where what's the feel for the for that particular market you know and then of course nationally as well like i say it's really the only way that we can gauge where a market is headed so without jobs people just can't spend money so when is it appropriate then to for a seller to do a short sale um well it's generally going to be a combination of things right so it's like we talked about before, a financial hardship, which is loss of income, but it's also going to have to do with the homeowner being over leveraged, right? So when, when somebody goes out and they, you know, they go out and they get a mortgage on a property, make sure we've got no, okay. When they go out and they get a, they buy a property, they put a mortgage on that property. And then, you know, a couple of years down the road, they're constantly, maybe they're constantly pulling the equity out of them and constantly refinancing. So they never actually build up any equity in that property. Then all of a sudden you have this, um, you have this event where all of a sudden, like what happened in 2008, 2010, you have this uh, valuation, this value in, in the properties themselves. They, they decline lower than what's actually owed against the property. So the home is actually worth less than what is owed on the mortgage. That was very, very common during the, the mortgage meltdown. And honestly, there was a ton of predatory lending that happened that went down. Um, you know, this is whole this is this whole Dodd Frank thing. Uh, this is where Dodd Frank really came from. Um, it was designed to uh, to 
honestly, Dodd-Frank, if I'm really being honest, I, I've said this before, and I don't know that a lot of people believe it, but it's true. Dodd-Frank, the government's telling you that Dodd-Frank was created um, to protect borrowers, but it's total baloney, total baloney. Dodd-Frank was created to protect the government because there's this little government agency called Fannie Mae uh, that buys mortgages. They buy notes on the, on the, on the secondary market. They are, they are the secondary market. There's a couple others as well, but so, so the government was actually, the government are the ones that Dodd-Frank was designed to protect because they're buying these mortgages. And if they're buying mortgages from, from these lenders who um, haven't underwritten or they loosely under, they were, there was loose underwriting on the, uh, on the borrowing from the borrowers, uh, they were taking on these mortgages and all of a sudden they, these mortgages didn't perform anymore. So don't be fooled. Uh, this was a, this was a, this was a scheme to protect the government. It's not a scheme to, uh, to protect borrowers at all, period. All right. So, um, so a lot of predatory lending. If you've never seen the movie, The Big Short, I highly recommend you go out and watch it. It's a pretty accurate um, depiction of what actually happened during those, during those times. So, uh, so, so those are the factors. Um, so here's what's going to happen in a short sale. You know, the seller is going to, they're going to experience some kind of a, uh, some kind of um, financial event. What they're going to do is they are going to then contact their lender and they're going to tell their lender they can no longer afford to make their mortgage payments. All right. And they're going to ask for a short sale package. They're going to ask to start this, this process, this short sale process. And the bank is going to take a look at their financials and, um, there's a, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but when and if it's approved, they go through this package. Once the package is complete, the house must be listed with a licensed agent. All right. Uh, we've actually found ways around this sort of like wink, wink, but, um, but the house has got to be listed and the seller slash homeowner cannot make any money off of a short sale. They can't make any money. All right. The uh, the financial repercussion or the consequences are not as severe in a short sale as they are a foreclosure. So a short sale, you know, it's going to show up on their credit report as um, it, it shows up uh, paid as agreed. That's what, that's how a short sale will show will show up. So they've negotiated the the sale. So a lender can't necessarily um, state you know, in the, in on the credit reports that it was a, uh, it was a, a foreclosure or that, you know, it's not, it's not looked at as uh, nearly as severe as a foreclosure is looked at, but it's implied. Most lenders, if they go out and they try to apply for another loan for the homeowners or the, the borrower tries to go out and apply for another loan, most lenders, when they see paid as agreed, they know that it's a short sale. So they know that there's a little bit of risk involved there. Um, and then sometimes if there's a shortfall, uh, the lender might get a deficiency judgment for any outstanding debt. And that all that is, is the difference between what was owed and what the house actually sold for. So if the house sold for the amount that for an amount that was lower than the mortgage, a lender could potentially get a deficiency judgment 
to make up for that shortfall. It's um, that's something that's really, really common with foreclosures, not so common necessarily with short sales, uh, short sales. Um, you know, I guess it's, I guess you can consider a short sale as the seller kind of saving face a little bit. They're like, Hey, I'm having problems. I'm coming to you with my problem. Can you help me fix it? Versus a lot of people with in for in the foreclosure situation, you know, they basically bury their heads. They bury their heads in the sand and just kind of hope that it all goes away. Uh, that's generally what we see. Um, and so, um, you know, a, a, it's more likely that in a foreclosure that you're going to have a deficiency judgment uh, versus uh, in a short sale. All right. So the property gets listed. Um, the lender is, like I said, the lender is going to require that it be listed with a licensed agent. And we do have ways that we deal with this um, because if we're doing a short sale or I'm sorry, let me see if we're making an offer on a property, we're working with a seller who's going through a short sale. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes we definitely have to do that. This short sales, I want to, I want to uh, just kind of emphasize that short sales are necessary sometimes, um, but not all the time. So if we're working with a seller who is going through a short sale, we want to make sure that we have the greatest opportunity to purchase that property at a discount. All right. So, um, all right. So, Here's the thing. <clears throat> what can you do to help someone who's thinking about doing a short sale? For us, this is super, super simple because, like I said, we've built an entire business around maybe not short sales, but we've built an entire business around these types of situations distressed with distressed sellers. The answer is simple. You offer to buy the property and assume the debt. All right. We're not assuming a mortgage. We are assuming the debt on an existing mortgage. Who can guess what this is called? Let me see if anybody. All right. I'm not going to wait. This is subject to you buying a property subject to. All right. And of course, for us, for anybody, the numbers still have to make sense. You have to um, even if you're buying the property subject to you're, you're taking a property subject to. The numbers absolutely still have to make sense. Um, by the way, you can use our sub two calculator found on the website. Let me see if I can post that. Let me see if I can post that in the chat here. Yeah. All right. Hold on one second here. You guys don't have this tool yet. Highly recommend you go out and get it. There you go. There's the link to it. You can just go to the website. It's up in the up in the menu at the top. It'll say, uh, I think it says free stuff there. You guys can go check that out. Um, handy dandy subject to calculator. And you can use it for other things, but we really like to use it um, for our subject to deals. It's it's really accurate. And it has a, a bunch of goodies uh, that are uh, included in that calculator. So let's see where I was at here. All right. So yeah, subject to calculator. Um, so what is the advantage of buying a property subject to versus going through a short sale? Here are, here are a list of the advantages. Number one, if the numbers make sense, of course, and you can cash flow, this is going to solve major problems for every party involved. The lenders 
for the lenders, the note is going to remain in the performing column of their balance sheet. All right, so that note is going to perform and lenders absolutely love that. Uh, many of you probably have heard that lenders are not in the business of buying houses. They're in the, they're in the business of lending money. They use money as a tool to make money. So they, you know, while they are all set up, um, if they have to foreclose on a property or something like that, they're set up to do that. It's not their primary business. All right. So the more the, the, the more that they can have lined up in the performing column versus the non-performing column of that balance sheet, the happier they are. So you solve that problem by buying this property subject to versus uh, versus, uh, you know, the seller going through a short sale. Number two, you are helping the seller salvage years and years of negative reporting on their credit report. All right, that just makes sense. You know, they might be behind a couple of payments. And one thing that we really discovered on this topic was that banks really don't like when, let's say you have a seller who is behind on the mortgage payment three, four, maybe six months behind, right? Sellers, or I'm sorry, the lender has a, the lender has started foreclosure. They're in, you know, the, the seller's in pre-foreclosure. What a lender really does not like um, is they don't like for, let's say I, I agree to do that deal with the seller. I'm going to bring all, I'm going to bring that, that loan current. I'm going to pay all those arrears, right? But then I turn around right away and just sell that property. Uh, that's not, uh, that's not, the most beneficial for a lender. They, they like, they're like us. They want a cash flow. You know, they have investors as well. And if it's a bank, obviously the investors are the, are the people that deposit their money into that bank. So, um, so yeah, they, they, they essentially, uh, they just don't like that. They don't like it. So now you're, you're helping a seller, you're salvaging their credit. Okay. The third one is, Guess what? You now own a property. You get to cash flow a property, and then also let your either if you're if you're a landlord, you can let your your tenant, or if you're a uh, like me, I'm a seller finance guy. You can allow your tenant to start building equity, more equity in that property, right? And so it's really for these reasons that we love to buy houses subject to before we let it go to short sale. It just makes more sense. Um, and if I didn't mention this before, on top of all that, it can take forever to get a short sale done. I mean, I've seen, and again, I haven't done a short sale in four to five years now. Um, but, and even with the systems that we had before, like we had Equator and then we have our own proprietary internal system that we use our, our processes, um, we were anywhere from six months. I've seen them up to two years, take up to two years. I mean, it's super hard for, from my point of view, it's super hard to build a business, especially if, if you have a business that you need a cash infusion or something like that. Super hard to build a business, um, you know, doing short sales. And again, you know, I, I'm not opposed to doing a short sale. There are just sometimes it's just called for, you know, even, you know, if you go out and you run these numbers and you just, nothing is working. Like, you know, your, your cash flow is not there. Um, you know, your, your equity in the deal is not there. So you can't, you can't really turn around and flip that property. Um, sometimes it just makes sense to do a short sale. And, you know, 
I, I would caution. I would not. I would not try and try and tweak your numbers or twist and bend your numbers to make a deal work. It's going to be apparent. But you know, if you use if you go through and plug that deal into our our sub two calculator, it's going to be apparent to you that if you don't have the cash flow, if you don't have the equity, and if you can't create it, with a lot of times we can create that stuff kind of. Uh, I don't want to say artificially, but we kind of create our own little economy on each deal because we sell or finance our deals. So we can generally uh, demand a little, a little higher, uh, higher interest rate, uh, a little higher price. If that's not possible, then it's just a short sale. Just do the short sale and just go through that process. So you might ask, why are we talking about this right now? And, um, I do, I, I do firmly believe that we're going to start seeing a, a little bit of an increase or an influx in short sales over the next, over the next year to year and a half, something like that. And it's really, it's kind of a trickle down effect. We have this outrageous inflation right now, combined with these uh, these interest rates that are. Uh, people complain about the interest rates right now. Uh, I get it. It's just because they're not used to uh, they're not used to paying. That's the only reason. Essentially, yeah, we're we're moving into the seven percent, something like that. That's that's on the high end for sure. Um, but I still say, if you can get money at six percent or below, you are doing okay. You're not, you're not. It's not a terrible terrible interest rate. Um, it's going to cost you more. One, you know, I don't. I can't do the math in my head. I'm not that smart, but. Uh, you know, one a one percent increase in your interest rate on, you know, is is going to dramatically affect the payment, <clears throat> the principal and interest that you pay on it. So, um, all right. So, trickle down effect is, you know, we've got, again, we've got these this um, this rise in interest rates. We've got this inflation. People, because of that, people have less money to spend. All right. So. That is also going to affect the affordability of existing mortgages today. So it's going to make existing mortgages today much harder to, for these homeowners to pay. So then what happens? <clears throat> Excuse me. Then what happens is people have to tighten up their budgets, right? They spend less. Now that they spend less, companies are now less profitable. They have to start laying people off on their, from their workforce. You know, you get the picture here. It's just this, uh, it's this vicious cycle. Uh, I've got some statistics here I'm going to read to you. Forbes just released. Before I get to this, let me make sure we've got no. Hey, Jeff, how you doing, man? All right. Forbes just released this survey this past week. Um, I'm going to read it to you. According to consultancy PwC, a survey of 700 executives and board members from various industries conducted last month's show this. Regarding layoffs, definite layoffs. These are people, these are, these are executives that are saying, we, you know, we are, um, we are planning for layoffs. There will definitely be layoffs. 51% have either started layoffs <clears throat> or they have plans in the works to start laying off their workforce. And it says an additional 19%, <clears throat> excuse me, a drink of water here. 
It says an additional 19% are considering a plan to reduce headcount. Hiring freezes. 52% have started right now, today, hiring freezes or plan to start hiring freezes in the very near future. <clears throat> and an additional 18% are considering hiring freezes. 44% are rescinding or plan to rescind current job offers. So I do really believe that there is a, this potential, at least, for, for these short sales coming. And so what I would advise is that we start prepping for this, right? We start getting prepared for, for this influx. I do believe it's coming probably a year to year and a half out, like I said. Um, but when you run into a seller who is thinking about doing a short sale, make sure you're the one offering an alternative. And for us, that's always going to be subject to. And I, you know, it bears repeating. So I'm sorry for repeating myself, but it bears repeating. Look at all the benefits of doing a subject to deal over a short sale for, if not, if not just for you, for your seller. I mean, it's just, um, it can really, really help them out in the long run. So uh, that's kind of my, my spiel on, on subject to, I'm sorry, on short sales. Um, I think it's uh, on top of that, despite, despite short sales, subject to is just, uh, it's a much, much for you, for your business, subject to is, uh, I mean, it's just changed the whole face of, of what we do. I, you know, it's one of those things I, I talk about this. I, I give this presentation kind of a standard presentation. Um, subject to when, when I walk into somebody's home and I know that there's a mortgage on that property, it is a much easier conversation for me to have because I know that the deal's already been funded. <clears throat> and uh, I know that sounds, that might sound kind of, uh, kind of backwards, but somebody has already funded that deal. So, so now uh, all I have to do really is focus on, on the trust and rapport aspect. And, um, you know, if the seller's in a situation where, you know, they kind of have to, they have to do something, they have to move, then I know I've got a pretty darn good chance of, uh, of assuming that debt on that mortgage. So, uh, hey, George, just download the calculator <laughs> and joined our marketing database. Yeah, you sure did, man. Uh, no, thanks for, uh, I hope you get a lot of use out of that thing. It's, uh, it's been, um, it's been, it's had several iterations over the years and um, kind of, you know, as our business moves towards a seller finance model versus a, versus a landlord or, or rental model, uh, we decided to start adding things onto that calculator that, uh, awesome. Awesome. Good to see you join the Facebook group, George. Um, but yeah, so that calculator now has, uh, has different exit strategies on it. Um, and then if you're going to do a, if you're, if you kind of follow the seller finance model, you'll see that there are two amortization schedules in that calculator. One of those is an amortization schedule that you can print out for your, uh, for your buyer, for your seller finance buyer. And then the other one is for your reference. And that, what that shows is, I mean, it shows your amortization schedule on your underlying loan. And it also calculates the difference between it. it this is the arbitrage part of this calculates the difference between what you are paying on the underlying loan and what you are earning 
in interest and equity and all that good stuff on the seller finance loan, the loan that, that you have given to your buyer. So uh, we think it's a, a, a great little tool. It's fast. That's the great thing about it. It's super fast. There's only, you know, you got to fill out all the little green sections. Um, you can't fill out anything else. It's locked down. And quite honestly, I, I am not, uh, I am not willing to unlock it for anybody because uh, I tried that one time and I got just bombarded with people that wanted to kind of make it their own. You know, I guess, I guess if you want to create something like that on your own, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe send me a private message and I'll unlock it for you, but just understand I'm not going to go in and fix it for you. I just, I just don't have the time to do that. All right. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a handy little, it's a handy little tool, right, Jeff? I mean, you know, it's a spreadsheet, but it, uh, it's, it's accurate and it's fast. And so honestly that, that calculator, I'm not going to spend the rest of the time talking about the calculator, I promise. But, um, that calculator is what we, so, so we have a very different process. We have a, we have a, well, it's not very different. It's just, it's our, it's our six steps to get a deal done. So we have, you know, we have uh, lead generation, qualifying leads. Then we, we don't, instead of coming in and, and evaluating a deal to death and, and really, um, you know, instead of instead of evaluating that deal so much before you go out and try and get a contract on it, we actually just go out and get the contract. Because, um, well, we understand some things, and and one of those one of those things is that contracts are contracts are the most important part of this this business, and, and I like to say that contracts are our inventory. That's uh, without without a contract, you can't. You know, you just can't, uh, it's very, very hard to make money in this business without contracts. So, so we concentrate on getting contracts first and that calculator comes in, um, somewhere, somewhere in, in step three there where like right before step three, I would call it step two and a half. So we have, we have lead generation, we have qualifying leads, and then we have like this little step two and a half, which is this kind of preliminary evaluation of the, of the deal of the property. And so we, so that we're not going in blind and we're not just signing up a, a deal or, or getting a contract on a property just to tie it up. We, we want to know that it does have the potential to, uh, to earn some, uh, to make us money. So we will evaluate that in the calculator. And, uh, then once we get the contract, we'll come back and we will just do this massive. We have a pretty large due diligence checklist um, that we follow on all these properties. And, and uh, we actually have two two stages of, uh, of due diligence on these. So um, but anyway, glad you like the calculator. It's uh, I think it's a I think it's a good little tool. All right. Does anybody have any questions on short sales? Anybody want to uh, want to discuss Anything else on short sales? Yep. All right. So if not, um, just a quick little recap. We're going to start seeing these. We're definitely going to start seeing these increase. We're going to, <clears throat> we're going to see an increase in, uh, in uh, short sale, uh, short sale packages being submitted. And um, I think it's a perfect opportunity to get in front of, you know, just make sure that you are offering 
an alternative to it to any of these short sales. And if the deal doesn't make sense, then you just go through the short sale. But uh, in the next year, year and a half, if they don't do, if there's not something done about this uh, about this inflation, and there's not something done about um, you know these interest rates, and again, I don't think the interest rate they're more expensive. It's less cash flow. But again, anything 6% and below, if you hedge that against this inflation, look where inflation was this year. We are at almost 9% inflation this year. But if you've got a 6% mortgage, you've just hedged against that inflation. They're, they're basically, they're still paying you to take out a mortgage. That's the way that, that's the way that I look at it. So uh, they're coming. I believe they're coming. I think you should prepare for it. And uh, I really think that um, I really think that that brushing up and getting knowledgeable about this subject to process and, and just create a financing in general, um, it's just such a massive, massive opportunity. So if nobody else has anything, I am going to go ahead and uh, and call it here. One last chance. I'm going to give you maybe five seconds. Three, two, one. All right, guys, I'm going to call it. I really appreciate it. Again, I would re really appreciate the, the likes, subscribes, and all that good stuff. Um, and I'd love to get you all over to the YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed, please go over there and subscribe. It would tremendously help us out. I'd like to get that to 2K as quickly as I can. If we can get it to 2K, uh, I've, I've made the promise that I'm going to start. I'm going to do a training on trust and how trusts work and all the inner workings of trust. I'm also going to give you a copy of our of our trust as well. So make sure you're liked and subscribed and all of that good stuff. So, all right, guys, appreciate it. Hope you have a great remainder of your weekend. I will catch you guys next week. Take care.